There's abundant evidence that shows that ESG, or what we call uh, institutional stakeholder capitalism, is a poor financial performer. And maybe ESG investors know that, and they don't mind because they care about promoting ESG goals, even at the expense of some measure of profit. But if that is the metric of ESG investors, then ESG fails there as well. A growing chorus on the left complains that ESG is just a way to cloak classic corporate greed with good feelings without actually producing any good deeds. Figures ranging from a British hedge fund investor, Christopher Hone, and our favorite congresswoman from the Bronx, AOC, have argued that ESG doesn't really produce the doing good results that the corporate executives claim. And it turns out research supports that view. One paper from the European Corporate Governance Institute found that companies whose assets were held by ESG investors fared no better on ESG metrics over time. And another study by researchers at Columbia University and the London School of Economics found that the companies in the ESG portfolios studied actually had worse compliance records for both labor and environmental regulations and they found that those underperforming companies did not improve their compliance as a result of ESG investing. So let's connect the dots. Investors appear willing to sacrifice financial performance for the woke morality claims of ESG investing, yet credible evidence seems to suggest that ESG investing does not actually advance woke morality claims in the real world. In short, ESG is a failure all the way around. Or is it? I hope you'll consider with me just one thought experiment here this afternoon with what I believe to be the deeper truth of, of ESG investing, which is that it is designed to fail. When he left his post at BlackRock's first, as BlackRock's first global chief investment officer, for sustainable investing, Tariq Fancy wrote about the future of ESG. He's sort of considered the prophet on the left. Fancy agrees with activists like AOC and Christopher Hone that ESG is actually making matters worse from the perspective of the woke literati because it is leading the world into a, quote, dangerous mirage, craftily greenwashing the economic system and delaying overdue systemic solutions. Fancy's point is that ESG is persuading woke investors that their woke goals can be achieved by clever investing in the free market to advance those goals, when in reality, the only thing that can achieve those goals, as Fancy says, we learned this from COVID-19, is a systemic solution. So it's my claim that what we're watching now is the left moving in mass against ESG just as the conservative movement is waking up to the reality of ESG. And why are they moving against it? Precisely because its failures provide compelling evidence that the clever investment through the mechanism of the market cannot produce the solutions that the left believes are needed to stop the rise of the oceans or undo systemic racism. The left will tell us that what is needed is government regulation and control. And in its full maturation, ESG will end with companies under the thumb of government regulators. When the so-called market fails to bow to the views of woke investors 
as reflected in ESG standards, the left will claim it has simply no choice but to use the power of government to enforce those standards directly, to enact them into our laws. Now, we often associate the word greed with an appetite for wealth. But in its etymology, greed also means an appetite for power. Read the documents. Klaus Schwab's Agenda 21, Larry Fink's A Sense of Purpose, or go back, as I did, to 1992, the Rio Conference, the United Nations document, The Future We Want. These documents are ostensibly about wealth, and they've got the little scattered pans to racial diversity and sustainability throughout. But I think they're best understood as documents about power and how to take it. And in that sense, ESG is just a battlefield in a war of principles, woke principles versus the alternative. And what is the alternative that our leading conservative thinkers are offering? Well, the leading conservative response to ESG is essentially to plead for corporate neutrality. Corporations should be neutral on moral and political issues, and consumers should be too. In this view, we all have our citizen hat and our consumer hat, and we shouldn't try to wear both at the same time. I disagree. Asking that we counter ESG with return to free market principles of profit maximization and corporate neutrality is like bringing Q-tips to a gunfight. On ESG, the left is arguing from principle. Environmental regulation, racial diversity, equity, inclusion are moral imperatives that companies must be forced to obey. And our answer is we should be a lot like Switzerland. Leave us out of the fight. As if we believe, and maybe some of us do, that economic activity is divorced from morality or the human person. To put a finer point on it, Vivek Ramaswamy, a, a, a colleague of some of these folks here uh, on our panel this afternoon, is a leading voice for this position. And he described recently a Wall Street Journal story that quoted one of the co-founders of Airbnb as stating in a closed-door meeting that, you know what, Airbnb is not here to promote American values. And Ramaswamy says, quote, my principles say that's okay. That's a perfectly legitimate thing for a company to say. Even a company that bases its headquarters in America is that, look, we're not here to promote American values. It's a legitimate thing for a company to say in the open, end quote. Again, I disagree. And I think many Americans do too. Here's what it looks like from my perspective, when companies seek only profits and remain value neutral. A corporate elite with no obligations but to pursue profit views the living, breathing American worker merely as a raw labor input. Immigration, then, is a means to take labor from whatever source is cheapest. A so-called neutral policy, where the free labor market dictates, allows companies to import low-wage substitution workers through America's generous and numerous visa programs to replace hard-working, wage-earning Americans, while imposing on those same Americans the social costs of mass immigration, expanded welfare, Medicaid, rent supplements, food stamps, inundated courts and prisons, and proliferating language remediation in our schools and government offices. In other words, so-called neutral corporations privatize their profits from low-wage labor 
while socializing the costs. Low-wage labor and higher profits for me, expanding in expansive social pro programs and an increasingly unrecognizable country for you. Or, as Pat Buchanan once observed, a corporation free of any obligation to the American people works, quote, ceaselessly, ceaselessly to erase our borders and diminish our national sovereignty. I'll, I'll add here, look, um, companies with neutral values would have no shame in, for example, selling highly addictive drugs to working class communities like mine. They would feel no regret in trafficking fetal body parts to academic or corporate research institutions, as Pfizer is doing currently. They'd feel no compunction in outsourcing our factories, polluting our rivers and our lakes, ripping off workers, unfairly squashing family businesses, or swallowing whole family farms. Neutral values is a nifty phrase for no values or immorality. So I, I could go on here, but you get the idea. There are American principles, and we should not be sheepish in demanding that companies adhere to them, including by constructing a legal regime, whether on immigration or fetal research or any number of other issues that forces them to. So let me make three points at the end here on that exactly. First, America's bargain with corporations is not a bargain of neutrality, as Vivek maintains. Any corporation that is headquartered in America, or indeed any corporation that does business in our country, is a beneficiary of the American people. It is our rule of law, our social stability, our form of neutral adjudication, our anti-corruption laws, our freedom of contract enshrined in the Constitution, our American principles that benefit the corporate enterprise. Yes, even Airbnb's corporate enterprise. And because corporations eagerly accept this gratuity, look at all the companies incorporated in Delaware, that they accept this gratuity from the American people, they should expect to incur obligations to the American people as well. Second, as was mentioned a moment ago, states have the leading role here. It is states that incorporate businesses. States have the ability to set policy. And through the natural demographic sorting process that is already underway in this country, States have the greatest ability to espouse conservative principles. Now, not every state, but conservative states. Our host here in Florida, as Andy mentioned, Governor DeSantis, has already pointed the way. No state has been more aggressive than Florida in enacting conservative principles into law and demanding that corporations follow them. Enacting protections for employees from the, the excretions of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Protecting children from sexualization at school and refusing to shelter corporations no matter how big, like the House of Mouse, who don't like it. This is fighting principle with principle. This is understanding the war for what it is and meeting the left with a counterinsurgency of our own. Third, as anticipating an objection, I wanna be honest, we're probably not gonna win. <laughs> the left controls nearly every institution in this country and they'll bring enormous pressure to bear against our principles and in favor of their own woke ones. But let's remember the reason why the left controls most of our cultural and social edifices. It's precisely because conservatives for decades countered the advance of the left with neutrality. 
When they're in power, the left gains ground. When we're in power, we espouse neutrality, essentially keeping the status quo until the left returns to power once more. The rising generation of conservatives, the millennials and the Zoomers, were born into a conservative movement that recites a tired litany of slogans like free markets or lower taxes. And in some way, the success of the American corporate economy blinded conservatives to our nation's cultural decay and our increasing social degeneracy. And no wonder, as Roger Scruton once observed, a vision of life where the sole aim of existence is the accumulation of wealth and the sole concern of politics, the discovery of the most effective means to wealth, is desultory and ultimately destructive to the common good. Our answer to ESG cannot be to simply ask companies to remain neutral and focus only on maximizing profit. It turns out people matter. Where I grew up, in the San Joaquin Valley of California, a region so poor that we make Appalachia look like Monaco. My working class father used to say that the most important law to understand is the law of meth addicts. They have a law. The law is simply put, if it ain't nailed down, I'm taking it. Cars, lawnmowers, porch furniture, jewelry, even trash. The answer to meth addicts is to nail something down. It's the only boundary their mania respects. So too for conservatives in our conflict with the left. We must nail things down. We must stake a principle beyond mere neutrality and be prepared to fight for it. Thank you.